It's time for Loud Pipes, the podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from RDub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located, here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. This is Loud Pipes, episode 33, and as promised, we're reviewing some exciting news from the International Motorcycle Exhibition 2015, otherwise known as ICMA, in Milan, Italy. And Rico is still in Mexico, but has managed to string together enough bandwidth to join us. Rico, how are you? Ah, Doing well, my friend. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad, but it's getting cold here already. I know you're you're down there bathing in the sun and Ooh, yeah. enjoying your, all your libations and things like that but it was 27 here this morning brother 27 i am so sorry to hear that my friend so sorry because it was what 50 something when we got up this morning what do you say it might have been low 50s low 50s yeah it wasn't long before it was in the 70s right it's like 75 somewhere it was nice out and i was in the hot springs soaking up the sun it was great all right, let's not forget uh, Mr. Miracle here, who uh, keeps all of our facts straight, keeps us on schedule, and adds to our conversation. John, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Like you, trying to stay nice and warm. It was a little t- little, little chilly. And, uh, you know, going out in those summer performance tires on the WRX, had to be careful with that. <laughs> you got to scrub them in a little bit before you get going? Yeah, just, at least it's in the garage. At least the tires are at least warm and they're not cold. So uh, that's that's pretty cool. And... Uh, yeah, and another thing here, Rich, you know, as you gave me the task this week of monitoring the email box, you know, we got a note from a listener about uh, concerns about our data security and a donate page. Since you set that up, I figured I'll let you uh, answer. Certainly. Yeah, so at a high level, um, just kind of rest assured, we don't hold any credit card information. So this is all handled by Squarespace on the back end through their secure portal. So once you click the donate button, you're then diverted to the secure backend for Squarespace, and then the payments are actually processed through a company called Stripe. So we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check them out. Uh, They do a a ton of payment processing for the web, so you're in good hands. Uh, But more importantly, if you do donate, and if you have already, thank you, um, be sure to subscribe to the mailing list because this is where we'll send out our up-to-date information on show happenings, things that are coming up, um, and sort of behind-the-scenes stuff as well will come through that channel. And if you have signed up, be patient. The first one's coming out in January. So, Mr. Hogan, you sound fantastic tonight, I must say. Why, and thank you. I heard another voice down there, so you want to bring in our, our guest for this evening? Yes, well, I have a star mm. in my presence right mm. now. A shining star. A shining star. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to let him introduce himself and uh, talk about what he, he does And why I'm here. Well, I don't know why you're here, but (laughs) I was told. Glass in my hand. Oh, well, that's true. Well, you're here because you're you're using my studio. (laughs) That was the excuse to drink my mezcal. (laughs) You see, I'm Jonathan Lockwood, and I am the co host of the Borderless podcast, which we call Traveling, Investing, and Living Beyond Borders. It's been a podcast that's been around here for a little over a year, uh, based in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, 
And uh, it's all about helping people actualize their dreams, especially if they want a more international life. And uh, so I do voiceovers. I happen to have a recording studio here. I do radio and television voiceovers, film narrations, things like that. But I also have a little business I just started here selling artisanal mezcal. And that is the real reason why Rico Hogan is here tonight. (laughs) (laughs) You found me out. Yeah. (laughs) My beverage is pretty boring, but it is from our our favorite place in town. I've got a a Mectoberfest from OMB. And, Mm. you know, Rico's going to shed a little tear there. But um, tell us a little bit about this mezcal. I'm not familiar with this. Yeah, well, mezcal is one of those things where you, you, you may have had it. I can remember having it many years ago. I'm from Michigan originally, and uh, it's horrible. Most of the vast majority of the mezcal that you drink is horrible. So it's made of agave. There are certain types of agave that are fermentable. You're aware of tequila. Tequila technically would be a type of mezcal, supposedly only made from the blue agave. But mezcal is, is uh, the, the umbrella under which all of them fit. And it, uh, there is a wide variety of flavors. Most of the big companies that make it, you know, just throw in sugars and they figure out, uh, you know, these, these terrible ways to make it consistent. But these mescaleros, they're, they're mostly Zapotec. It's a tribe uh, down in Oaxaca primarily, but they're all throughout Mexico. They make it artisanally and the flavors are just absolutely amazing. They've been making them the same way for hundreds of years, as, as many generations as they remember. And uh, it's just really, really good. I'm a beer guy. I was a home brewer. So like you, I was into really good premium craft brewed beers. But I came down here and this liquor has beguiled me, my friends. Nice. Mm. Now, now you guys had someone on your show recently, right? That was talking about um, sort of the farming aspect of the, the agave. Yeah. Well, he is my business partner, or as he likes to call it, associate. When you say partner. (laughs) You know, people get funny ideas, but uh, we call yeah we call him Matthew. Quiet. <laughs> we call him Matthew, <laughs> and uh, Matthew was originally from the U.S., but uh, he's 28 years old. He lives down in Oaxaca. He lives out with the uh, the mezcaleros they call them in the campo. That's out in the country. He lives in this this building with no electricity, and he uh, he helps them. Uh, make make them a scow, but he is also very passionate about preserving these wild agaves. See, because ninety percent of all uh, mezcal is made of espadine. It's fine, but there's forty different varieties, and there's so much demand for mezcal today. These these guys out there are over making it, and they're not replanting it. They're not reforesting it. And the big thing is, these agave plants they don't grow every year. I mean, some of them maybe seven or eight years. But mostly we're talking about 10 to 15 and sometimes 20 years that they have to grow before you can turn them into uh, mezcal. Uh, slow growth, I see. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, what he's trying to do, he's going on seed-saving missions and identifying all of the different, uh, the different varietals. And he's also uh, starting these viveros, which is the uh, Spanish word for nursery. And I'm thinking about doing that myself just so that we can have these uh, really, really beautiful wild mezcals, you know, available to drink. And they just don't disappear or become, you know, $10,000 a bottle because it's so rare, you know. Right, right. Now, which one are we drinking tonight, John? This is the Madre Cuiche. So I, my brand, this is my brand of, uh, well, it's called Guiño Guiño. And Guiño Guiño means wink, wink. And you will notice nowhere on the bottle does it say mezcal. And that's because here in Mexico, 
in order to sell something as mezcal, you have to go through this big political rigmarole with this cartel. And when I say cartel, I mean, you know, sanctioned government cartel, not the other kind. They're you mean it in too. the nicest way. <laughs> yes, in the absolute nicest way. But I see no difference between them, frankly. I just don't want there to be any misunderstanding. You know, in order to call it, sell it as mezcal, you have to go through this whole process and get their buy-in, and it costs a lot of money. So screw that. People down here who don't want to do that, they will call it Mexcal, or as I do, I call this destilado de agave. So like distillation of agave. But what does the wink-wink mean? So we call it destilado de agave, but guiño-guiño or wink-wink, it's mezcal. Nice. <laughs> and uh, this one is called the Madre Quiche. And it's a beautiful, beautiful drink. The mescalero, his name is Mohen. His real name is El Mohenes. In, uh, in this area outside of Oaxaca called Miahuatlan, he only made 85 liters of this. It is exactly 50% alcohol by volume. And uh, this is my favorite weekday sip. And it is so, so, so good. Yum. Mm, mm, mm. Now, you can't. So if someone wants this, they have to come basically get to San Miguel because this is not exportable, right? Got to come right to my house, Rich. <laughs> come right the to the front door. I won't tell you what happens when you get here either. <laughs> no. Uh, so it, it, this is brand new. And I'm selling it here around San Miguel. And uh, I do have friends going back to the States with it, just putting it in their luggage. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, there, there doesn't seem to be any problem um, doing that. But uh, I am, I've got a number of people who are interested in Australia, Asia, and in the United States in partnering with me to get this out because it really is truly amazing. So, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, I, I can't send it to you yet. You can go to, the name of the, 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 the product is Guino Guino, but the website is Gino Gino. So there's no Enya. It's like G-U-I-N-O-G-U-I-N-O dot com. And you'll see the store there, but there is no provision to enter any uh, credit card or for us to ship it to you at this point. Gotcha. Well, that's good stuff. Well, Rico, you better save me some because I'm saving you a special bottle from OMB, you know. Uh, you might need a keg mm -hmm. compared mm -hmm. to this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, okay. and Rico, I'm having your other favorite drink. Oh, what's that? What's the other one that you found that you love so much here in the States? Oh, I, I love the um, the UFO pumpkin ale. Oh, no. No, Sorry, not that man. one? Just, what's no, no. The root beer, man. Oh, oh, the Long Island root beer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Awesome. Jonathan, I got to bring you some next time I come Okay. Up. It's root beer? It's a beer ah. that is disguised as root beer. Ooh. Yeah. It's really good. It's like hard it's kinda of like hard root beer, hard. I guess. It's it's really smooth. It tastes like just like root beer, but it's got one heck of a kick to it. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Yeah, it is great. Not as great as this, but Well, that's one heck of an intro. That's way better than anything I would have done, so thank you. <laughs> Welcome. Um yeah, and, and as a, a listener of the podcast, this is you know this is a good treat for me to have you on here. So again, thanks for joining us. You bet. Well, I'm glad to hear that you listen to the podcast. That's great. And while Jonathan is not a writer, we thought this would be a good idea for you know we could possibly get a, an outsider's view of some of the bikes that we talk about. So you know, as insiders, we kind of get wrapped around the wheels on you know specs and the riding experience and things like that. So we thought it'd be interesting to get a take from someone who doesn't ride if any of this news even you know, sort of makes it out into the general public or if it's just sort of, 
you know, amongst the people on the inside. So that'd be interesting. Yeah. Just to see if it resonates with you, John. Right. And by, and by the end of the show, we're, we're going to have him on a bike. So we'll have the bike picked out and, and we'll make sure he gets out and gets a ride. Well, he does have a four wheeler outside in the drive. It's not mine, no. That's my neighbor. We can still take it out for a ride. Close enough. Okay. (laughs) He's in the States right now. See, (laughs) see, his pregnant wife will get scared. (laughs) So Rich, not trying to jump on the news from ICMA, um, but, uh, you know, BMW next year is releasing a beginner's bike. There you go, Jonathan. Yeah. Hmm. It's a thing about 300 and CC engine weigh about 350 pounds. So in with the, you know, Harley and Kawasaki and everything. Nice. And that'll be about $60,000 maybe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Never idea. Well, BMW, the only thing they like better than tech is, is money. Hmm. From what I've seen. All right, let's try the U-turn. All right, so this is really sort of a topic related to what happened from or what happened in Eichmann this year, uh, but it's a bike that we've had a chance to ride before. We did a demo ride, and we also put up a video about it. But Indian has released a smaller version of the Scout that they're calling the 60. So now, Mr. Hogan, as you're shopping abroad and and at home mm-hmm. uh, for something for Wendy to ride, so now you have a smaller displacement Scout. Um, just under a thousand cc's, coming in at about nine grand. What do you think? And you save two grand by getting this particular model, which is nice. Yeah, and you're not and you're not losing much. I I had a call with Aaron earlier today, over at um, Indian Motorcycles with Charlotte, and he was saying it's about seventy eight horsepower. It's not bad. So you lose a gear, right? Five speed instead of six. But I did read that it was reworked, so it's supposed to be smoother and a little less clunky. Hmm. Now, do they have any in stock? They do, yeah. He said they have a couple. Um, they're getting a white one soon, but they also have, or they currently have, if I can get it. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> uh, currently, they have a black and an Indian red version in stock. Hmm. So, yeah, if anyone is interested, um, hit up Aaron over at uh, Indian Motorcycles of Charlotte. He'll set you up. Yeah, lucky he didn't sell that to you while you called him there, Rich. <laughs> I bet it's fun to ride. I mean, Rico and I had a blast on the original Scout, but the nice thing here is it's got the blacked-out treatment, you know, black frame, black bezel, more black on the engine, you know, versus the other one that had a little chrome on the engine, had more of a gray frame. Mm-hmm. So that's that speaks to me there. Yeah, and it it is a fun riding bike, and like you said, Rich, it, it is like super smooth and a joy to ride. So anyone who is looking into maybe maybe even a first-time bike with a 60, picking up a Scout and just riding forever on it, because you can customize this thing as much as you want with the bags, with the seats. You know, you can just go wild with this particular bike and, 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 and enjoy it for years to come. Yeah, and the displacement helps with export, too. So in European countries, the insurance and things like that, it's all on the engine size. So keeping it under 1,000 cc, mm-hmm. that makes it more approachable for, for people in Europe, mainly due to insurance. Right. I know when I when uh, I told them the bike that I just purchased, they said, ooh, that's uh, 1,800? Really? Okay. <laughs> this is what your payment's going to be. <laughs> 
Now, so what have you been seeing running around in um, in San Miguel? Mm. Like most uh, D- DMs. Um, there's there are n- numerous Duc- um, Ducatis and BMWs. Um, there are only seen three Harley Davidson so far. So apologize for that, buddy. A white one, a black one, and a red one. <laughs> well, but I mean, but, but given the I guess given the terrain you were talking about with the cobble roads and stuff, I would right. imagine you'd see a lot of more adventure bikes or adventure standard bikes, bikes right, not so much right. sport bikes. Right. You see a ton of dirt bikes here. Um and dune buggies. I've seen a, a number a number of those, but mostly, you know, off road utility motorcycles, I guess you can call them. And just the two cycle, two cylinder motorcycles, two uh mopeds they have here. Um right. I just sent you a picture of something that looks like a, a MV. Um, but I'm not sure if it was or not, but um, this particular one was called the um, Velocity. And um, it looked like an a awesome MV. Yeah, I saw that picture. It looked like a, I think they call it a Brutale or a Brutal. Brutale, I'm not sure yeah. how they say it. Yeah, Brutale 800. So maybe mm-hmm. it just has a different brand name from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I think I sent you another one, another Yamaha with the roll cage or something <laughs> over it. Nice. <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> that was. Fun. Yeah, I don't know what that was all about. That was crazy for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely um, mostly off-road motorcycles here in San Miguel. All right. So have you guys gotten out yet? I know last episode you said you guys might get out on some bikes. I know you've been horseback riding, but... That's only one horsepower, so it doesn't matter now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't yet, and mainly because my wife was like, "Well, let's just get on the highway and just do the mountainside and go over to what's the next city, the big city, uh, Jonathan, Queretaro, Queretaro, right. yes, and take the highway out that way." But you know, her being a beginner motorcycle rider. I don't know if I want to put her on the motorcycle just yet, especially uh, she don't know yeah. the road. She don't know, you know, the behavior of, you know, drivers out here. So I'll be hesitant to put her on a motorcycle. But uh, I might rent one and go out to Cretro and um, maybe check a movie out and come back. That might be something to do. Awesome. So are you, are you guys coming back? <laughs> No, uh, Jonathan has enough room for all of us here, so we're just going to stay here. Uh, <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, we're not that friendly, homie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but the other neat thing, too, here, you can walk into the grocery store like Mega or go to Liverpool, Liverpool and buy a motorcycle if you want to, mm-hmm. which is yeah, that, that something was you don't see every It was kind of like a... It was like a little motorcycle section in the middle of like a J.C. Penney's. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of chuckled at that when I walked by. I was like, holy cow. Honey, let's buy a motorcycle. <laughs> uh, Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's get into ICMA on the new topics. All right, 2015 ICMA, and John's been digging up some stats for us, like a good little doobie, so thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it looks like the visitors were up this year, about just under 15% overall from, uh, or sorry, that was from two years ago, 
Um, so motorcycle shows are still sort of gaining in popularity. We saw that with the AIM Expo. They had a, a nice big increase. And despite losing a couple here in Charlotte, you know, it still seems to be growing across the U.S. and, and abroad as well. So total visitors to their site or to that uh, event, how many were there? Well, these are last year's numbers. I know the ones aren't really out yet. So Okay. Yeah, so so what I found was there's a, you know, six 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 hundred twenty eight thousand in twenty fourteen and there's a fourteen point seven percent raise over twenty thirteen between okay. that year. And they figure twenty fifteen they saw more of an increase than twenty fourteen. So if you kinda use the same percentage, well over seven hundred thousand visitors most likely attended. Okay, and I wonder what's driving that and what's driving the attraction to the AMSPO. Is it the vendors? Is it the motorcycles? What? ICMA. Not AMSPO. I just did. did I say? (laughs) I apologize. ICMA. Yeah, no, I mean, mean, first of all, I think motorcycles are, I don't want to say they're bigger in Europe, but they're certainly a lot more, um, a lot more part of the, the culture, I guess, if you will. And probably as well, all through my two cents, and it's probably easier to get around the cities with, with two wheels and a, a four-wheel car to get around towns and everything else in cities and downtowns and yeah, everything else. I guess that's what I was digging at is you've got, you know, cities that are more dense, you know, narrower streets, um, narrower roads, you know, out in the countryside as well, where, you know, in the U.S. we certainly have dense cities, but the roads are generally bigger. And not only, but not only that, they had the gas prices is more out there. Right, right. Yeah, so you're more apt to ride a motorcycle, prefer the pure savings of gas alone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that makes sense. But this show in particular, I can understand why people will go. There was a metric ton of news coming out of this thing. I mean, everybody that was anyone except Harley um, <laughs> had some sort of announcement. And I know we're not even going to scratch the surface, but what we've done is we've sort of cherry-picked a few that, that spark our interest, and we want to dive into those a little bit and maybe get the, uh, get the opinion of, of a not-writer as well. So, so John has gone through the articles for us, posted them up here. And the first one we want to talk about is the Ducati Dival, or Divel. I still don't know how they say that. And this was elected the best-looking bike this year, which, as you remember, Mr. Hogan the scrambler was last year so another one for ducati so let me spin this around so jonathan can oh, see this okay, bad boy <laughs> yeah and just to give numbers there was a it took it was won by 60 percent of the voters out of um a little over eleven thousand voters voted at the best bike in the show so best looking bike so looks like something a space detective would be riding <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to have a Ducati, my my flavor is more the the Multistrada or just the plain up sport bike. The Dival to me, that's a little too weird in the style. Whoa, department. whoa, it's easy there, weirdo. <laughs> easy, easy. Now, okay, so what size is the motor in this bad boy? Did they mention? <laughs> because to me, this thing is amazing looking. You like this I mean, thing. I like the single swing arm. I like the exhaust coming out where it is, kind of up and away. The the skeleton uh, under under the tank. I love that. I love the. I guess you can call it like V rodish looking front end. Yeah, I will give you that. I like that, 
And I just like the cutoff tail. It's, it's amazing looking. Are you kidding me? I love it. I would buy one of these. Yeah, I'm a little more traditional with my Ducati. You know, I'm more, you know, if I want a sporty Ducati, it's going to be like the Panigale. Or if you want the naked one, it'll be the Monster. This doesn't really fit for me. It's kind of like a naked sport bike, but it's trying to be a cruiser. But it's And a Monster a and a V-Rod. It's a Monster V-Ride Monster. I don't know. What do you want to call it? It's amazing. Are you kidding me? I would have one of these. Get so, out Rico, of it's, a, it's a 1262cc engine. There you go. And, and it's a 156 horsepower at 9,500 RPM. All day long. All day long. Okay, now I know why you like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the power. It's yeah, the your sti- power. Sorry, the style just doesn't grab me. I don't know why. I guess, like I said, I'm more of a traditionalist when I think of Ducati. This this speaks to me. The, I would buy this. If I wanted to buy a Ducati, this would be the Ducati I would buy. Right wow. here. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. For real. Because ultimately... I'm really not into the Ducati. You know, it's nice. It sounds amazing. I give them that. But they they bottom out on me too soon. You know, I get up to 120 and that's it. They've hit their their max and that's it. That's all you're going to go. Um, I've ridden the Monster 696 and the 9, was it, 969 trip spikes. Yes. And um, amazing bike. They sound great. Oh, and don't forget um, um, Travis's Ducati, his sport bike. Um, they're all great bike. They handle amazing, great braking power. But this thing, this kind of encapsulates uh, every essence of, 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 you know, sport bike. The the open concept as far as the monsters concerned, as far as the no fairings. I just love it. It's 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 a great looking bike. So you, you also like the Monster, right? I, I do. I do. They also unveiled the Monster 1200 at the show. Mm. Then, <laughs> well, after seeing this bike, I, I wouldn't even look at the Monster. This this is the way to go right here. So they're going to produce this particular bike? Yeah. This one? Oh, yeah. Yes, production yeah. bike. Yep. So I know it's the best looking bike, but I don't, you know, I didn't know if they're going to produce it or not. Yeah, and uh, to give you more information, Rico, the dry weight is 485 pounds, and Ooh. the wet is uh, 545. Oh, you can sling it around devil's whip. This is a revelation. I had no idea you were that passionate about that particular model from Ducati. Mm, That's new it. for me. Mm, like it. All right. Well, good job, Ducati. Two years in a row getting the best-looking bike. And I maybe next agree. year it'll be the Monster? No, probably not. <laughs> Nobody likes the naked bike. I like this one. Or Richard could get, well, I would say it might get your bike, but I don't think so. The next one you, that you want to buy. Yeah, I don't know. This is a whole other animal. So we we mentioned this um, probably a year ago. So Moto Guzzi brought a concept to ICMA last year, and they called it the MGX21. And this year they announced that it is now a production motorcycle. And they're also putting another name on it so it's still the mgx 21 but they're also tagging it with the flying fortress hmm. this is this is my baby rico right here this one here yeah so think of think of all the the custom baggers that you see nowadays right everyone's blacking them out a little touch of red this thing is like the epitome of that blacked out carbon fiber everywhere 
just a touch of red on the valve covers, a little bit on the brake caliper. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, this this is speaking to me too. This is a monster. And after riding it, yeah, bruh, you are, you're going to have a ton of fun if you do decide to get this. Well, th- yeah, this is based on the California that you that you were riding, so. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Same, same engine. I don't know if they've turned it up any, but, you know, basically take that California you had, put a little batwing fairing on it, put some bags on the back. That's what you're looking at. Man, and it looks comfortable. You, you got that open reach. Your legs are spread out. Your arms are spread out. I mean, it's an upriding riding bike. And you know what I don't see? I can tell. I can't tell from this angle here, but I don't see floorboards. No, are pegs. They, pegs. Pegs. Mm-hmm. Even better. Look at That's you. What I'm saying. I'm like, this is my bagger. Yeah. This is totally my bagger. Nice. So, so what do you like most about it? Other than the back wing, the, the saddlebags, the red headers. Yeah, to, it's that. To me, it's the package, right? I'm, uh-huh. I'm a sucker for black and red anyway. That's kind of my, my favorite sort of paint scheme is, you know, something blacked out and just a few hints of red here and there to sort of let you know that it means business. Mm-hmm. I like carbon fiber. You know, I've, I've not seen any carbon fiber on, you know, a traditional bike like a Harley or an Indian that I really liked. So this is good because it's, it's not that it's not like taking a street glide and just, you know, putting the carbon fiber bits on it. Mm-hmm. So I like that aspect of it and it's minimalist, no floorboards. Um, look at the instrument cluster. It's pretty Spartan. Yeah. I mean, there it's digital gauges. There's two little digital displays, but it's not a giant nav screen. Right. I mean, I don't even think it has a radio. That's, that's even better. Well, it might have some Bluetooth capability, but yeah, it might have a couple of little speakers in there, but but it's not much. I mean, it's I mean, you know, I I don't understand a radio on a motorcycle anyway, so this is it. This is speaking to me. Well, don't knock it till you try, baby. <laughs> you don't understand a radio on a motorcycle. How about a device that would allow you to smoke a cigar on a motorcycle? Curious. What do you mm. think about that? Dumb idea, good idea. What do you think? Uh, Good when you stop, I guess. I don't know. Well, Rico, with your fairing, you think you could smoke a cigar going on the road when the Roadmaster? No way. No way? Still too much wind? Mm Mm-hmm. The reason I brought that up is because that's about all I have to contribute to a conversation on motorcycles. I had a friend. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've just never been into cigar or excuse me, into uh, motorcycles, but I was into cigars. And a friend of mine at the cigar bar in Gilbert, Arizona he, he told me about this idea he had, and I thought, gee, I wonder if he did anything with it. Rico and I just looked it up before the program, and sure enough, he, did all, he, he failed in his Kickstarter campaign, mm. but it's this device that somehow fits into your, your helmet and is a safe way to smoke a cigar while riding, according to the video. Well, it didn't fit on your, it didn't fit on your helmet. It, 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 it's a magnet that, that sucks, that stuck to your tank. Oh, is that it? That's what it was. Yeah. So, so you put your cigar face first into the, the lit part into this little contraption, you lock it in place and and it has two rubber magnets that holds it on place onto your tank. So whenever you want to take a drag off of, you just kind of pull it off your tank and take a drag and (laughs) sit it back down and you keep on riding. I thought, huh? Okay. I could see, I could see that. I can't understand how it failed. (laughs) Yeah. But so is it like, 
um, so is it like some sort of pocket that protects it from the wind, and then you just kind of take it out when you need? Well, yeah, well, I can't no, no, it's this metal. Um, uh, it's like a metal tube, a yeah, cylinder, right. That a fifty gauge cigar fits into, mm-hmm. and the smoke is diffused, and the wind, the, the cigar is protected from the ripping wind, and supposedly it works. It's called cigar throttle, by the way. I may as well give them a plug. Right, and <laughs> look that up. <laughs> yeah, we'll, you know, just we'll, for we'll, giggles, I want to buy one just to see if it works, so right. I can smoke a couple cigars that John is going to give me. And oh yeah, I got those. <laughs> but you said it was a Kickstarter that failed, though, right? So it's not being offered anymore. It doesn't look like it. He does have a website up, but of course, <laughs> everyone has a website up, don't they? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know what's happened with that. Yeah, even us. They'll give one to anybody nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Those crazy people at Squarespace, they just hand them out like candy. I've been trying to keep my mouth shut, but first, one, one comment. Not since I was six years old have I heard such a heartwarming expression of affection as good little doobie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so really, I'm glad to know that you have a good little doobie <laughs> associated with the Loud Pipes podcast. But the next thing, I just got a quick question for you here. And then I just, I, I really don't want to horn in on your show here, but sure. um, why do some people just take to motorcycles and others don't? Is it nature? Is it nurture? Go. Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, I think it's, I think you have to have some exposure to it. Otherwise, I think later in life, it's much harder to achieve. Um, I'm probably a little bit on the line because... While I did sort of ride a mini bike when I was real young and then there were always bikes around, but I had very limited chances to ride them until I left college. And then, of course, I had the means to do whatever I want, so I went out and bought a motorcycle. So I think if it if it doesn't happen fairly early in your life, it it's so much harder. Right. So, yeah. Well, it's interesting just because I've never been into them. I've just never seen the point. I can, When I was a kid, I grew up in northern Michigan, and I did enjoy snowmobiles. But for a while, I don't know, somehow I got into women and parties and good food and drink and stuff like that. And, and it. Uh, it just pulled me out of the, the world of wanting to go fast. I just don't have that gene, it doesn't seem like, you know? I well, wouldn't call, well, speed I is only it, one piece of the yeah, equation. Okay, though. okay. Yeah. What is it then? So there, there are some people that they're, they're just speed junkies, right? They just want the raw speed and power any way they can get it. But the other aspect, and this is going to sound cliche-ish, but it's really hard to put your fingers on. Like Mm -hmm. there is something almost primal about getting out on the bike by yourself on the road. Now, generally good roads because riding in the city kind of sucks to be honest. Um, But yeah, if you can get out on a two lane road and it's mostly you in the outdoors and you're just, you're at one with the bike soaking in the outdoors, soaking in nature there's just a connection there that I, I can't get with a car. As And as passionate as I am about something like a Corvette, you know, Rico will tell you that's that's all I talk about when it's not motorcycles. Mm-hmm. It's not even close to getting on the bike, even just mm-hmm. if I'm going to ride down the street and have a slice of pizza and come back. Way more exciting than, than anything in a car. Well, you know, it's it's... This is resonating with me because it, it strikes me that, you know, I mean, what we talk about on the Borderless podcast is is a lot is liberty, just freedom and trying to break out of the borders that keep you from living the life that you want to live. And 
you know, I, I read a really compelling piece not long ago about why the automobile might have been the greatest uh, uh, invention in human history just because of the way it changed society. People could get in a car and go. There's all sorts of bad things that go on in their environment, but when they get in that car, they they right. leave it. It's gone. Goodbye. Yeah. And yet the car kind of, you know, you talk about that primal experience of just, you know, cruising away. The car kind of uh, insulates you maybe from the experience more than an actual motorcycle would when you're right outside. Right. And the yep. other thing about riding motorcycles is therapeutic. It's therapeutic. So you, you don't have the radio. And this is why Rich struggles with having a radio on the bike because mm-hmm. you get on the bike to relax and unwind and enjoy the scenery and, and ride good roads. So you really don't want music interrupting that at all. So you want to hear the wind. You want to hear the bike. You want to just be out. This is like going on a nice horseback riding ride or, you know, going hiking in the park in the mountain somewhere. This this the same yeah. effect you get. It's kind of it's a therapeutic experience. Mm-hmm. I get you. I read you. And one one of the big parts of it too is the fact that you ride it. You know, it's not like a car where you sit in it and you drive it. Like you're you're mounted on this thing, right? More like a horse, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it's also a very involved experience. Like if you've driven a car with a stick shift, you know that you feel more connected to that car mm-hmm. because you have much more interaction. You have much more say as to what happens. With a bike, you have to use all four limbs. There's no way around it. Right. Right. Because the controls are in four different places. So you know, there's no there's no time really for distractions, I guess is what it is. Like you have to be focused or quite frankly, you could die. You know, so there's that aspect. Like I have to be focused, have to be sharp. And I think that piece of the riding just pushes the rest of that stuff out of your brain and you can just focus on the ride, focus on the road. And the rest of it just drips off the back as you go blasting down the road. Good answer. Hair eyes in the neighborhood. <laughs> you know what, Rich? You're a good little doobie, too. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so let me let me throw this away to you to help answer a question, Jonathan, was the mm-hmm. fact is, is um, and Rich knows this, at one point I was, I was looking at getting a motorcycle, and instead I decided to get a four-wheeler. Um, a dirt four-wheeler to go off-roading and stuff. And my wife, after, was all kind of supportive of me getting a motorcycle. But after I got the four-wheeler, she said, no motorcycle. Mm. And um, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, kind of let it go. And it kind of touched me, but not really. Then I started here recently thinking about that. And I always said, up until early this year, I says, my wife won't let me have one. And I was at a car show here in Raleigh, and, and the guy talk 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 to me he said something nice i realized i said you know it's just not more of that it's all the in my opinion putting all the gear on in north carolina weather going out at 90 degrees and riding just sounds miserable to me mm-hmm. now rich and rico disagree with that philosophy i do um mm-hmm. and they're all happy to do that but that's the other thing and then i i can see your point because she doesn't want it's not so much me it's other people that's so, true yeah all, all valid points and if, if I can counter those a little bit, and now this feels like episode 17 all over again. <laughs> the um, the gear thing is only a problem when you're standing still. So if you're sitting in traffic, yeah, it sucks, right? There's You're, you're hot, you're, you're covered head to toe if you're doing the whole gear thing, which I don't always, another topic. Um, 
<laughs> but if you're moving at speed at any speed, you know, let's say over 40 miles an hour, the gear is not really a problem because you get enough airflow, you know, unless you're riding a Roadmaster, you get enough airflow and you're not going to bake. <laughs> Take that, Rick. Uh, I took that jab. I took that jab. So to go back to the point of answering another thing, to talk about the fun aspect, you know, so, you know, I had my cars were up to the 10, 11 years old range. So it was time to go find a new one. And I was looking around and, and not sure if you listened to any previous previous shows, but I ended up buying a Subaru WRX, which is a all wheel drive turbo four, six speed manual. It's a freaking blast. Um, Zero sixty in about five point five seconds. Wouldn't do good here in San Miguel. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> too low to the ground, or too low to the ground. The wheels, the with the low profile tires and the the the, the cobble roads here would just beat that thing. They have these yeah. things here called topes. It's just another way for speed bump, except they use them in place of street lights and stuff. And mm. and they're pretty big. And I, I drive an Acura TSX, and I got to go over those things so slowly to you know keep from bottoming out. And I still bottom out a lot. Yeah. So so that's you know kind of answer. So that's my adrenaline fun time. I love to get in it and just go for a ride. Yeah. Um, other than going to Cleveland, Tennessee. Yeah, he actually followed us out to Birmingham, mm. um, to the Barber uh, Vintage Motorcycle Festival. And uh, that was a blast. And now every every long trip we go on, he has to come with us because he he carried all our stuff. He's a good little doobie. <laughs> he is a good little doobie. <laughs> but but the sad part is, I just realized this: if Rich goes gets this uh, Moto Guzzi, then he's going to have the bags. So then he doesn't need me. <laughs> oh boy. Well, they don't they don't look very big. They don't they don't get into capacities. But they, there's they're not Roadmaster. Capacity by any means. No, I don't think so. But there, there's two problems with this bike, Rico. Hmm. The first one, there's no price been announced, so I'm sure it's going to be something that they're awfully proud of, and the price is going to reflect that. Thirty thousand, you think? Yeah, that would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Twenty-eight. Yeah, right. I can see it. I can see it. Um, the second problem is it's going to be very limited edition. So order it now. So much so that they're not going to start taking pre-orders until March. Oh, really? Yeah. And the good thing is it's going to hit the ground first in the U.S. at Sturgis in August. So the 2016 Sturgis rally is where they're going to show it first. Um, so you bring your checkbook, we ride to Sturgis, and we pick one up. <laughs> well, since we know we're not getting a live wire anytime soon, why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> since you brought the topic back up, or since I brought it back up, Rich, it is the California engine of the 1380cc. So it is that one. Well, they better give me the, the Veloce mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So so you'd buy it, Rico? I'm. If I had the scratch, I'd be, well, I can't reserve it now. I can't do it till March. But, yeah, I'd be first in line. Yeah. I mean, the, the carbon fiber is unique in, in, in itself, but the red headers, the, the blacked out exhaust, the black um, headers and, and everything, it's just a nice looking bike altogether. And it's a little bit more, like you said, streamlined, uh, and it's just really nice looking. So kudos to Motoguzi for stepping out there and making such a, 
an attractive bike. Indeed. Well, I know we're going to talk about a couple more from from Eichma, but for me personally, we could shut it down right now. That's that's the best thing coming out of oh, that show. Yeah, Done. really. <laughs> that and the Ducati. I mean, that's it. Close shop. We're done. That's all we need to talk about. But uh, but there's still more. A surprise for me, man. Still a surprise. Is it? Yes. I'm digging that bike for some reason. I don't know. Oh. All right, moving right along. All right, victory. Victory. Now, here's another company speaking to me. Um, we talked about this with the Magnum. Got a chance to ride that and the X1. Fantastic motorcycles. Uh, haven't ridden the Harley recently. Say it's been probably three years since I've been on a Harley bagger, aside from Dave's Ultra. But the Magnum so far is, or at least the X1, is taking top billing for me. Um, the right. Indian, honestly, or the Indian, ironically enough, a close second. Um, but it's also tied with the Harley. So that's kind of my, my pecking order, Mm -hmm. but victory's doing some cool things. We've talked about it with the impulse TT, the electric bike. That's a neat thing. And then they did project 156, which was their Pikes peak bike, um, done in conjunction with Roland Sands. That was a fantastic bike. So they've taken the motor from that bike a step further and they've announced this thing called the ignition concept. So essentially they met they linked up with a designer in Europe, and I'm going to butcher this name. Maybe Jonathan can help us with this. <laughs> um, Urs Erbacher, I believe is how they say that. He's a European drag racer and custom bike builder. So he basically wrapped this motor around what they're calling a world-class package to put the power to the ground. So it's very sporty. It's very aggressive looking. Um, cast aluminum bits in the chassis, performance suspension, the good brakes, all that stuff. Um, a custom 156 inspired paint scheme and basically that engine, you know, that 156 engine. Mm. So to me, the other thing they put on their website is they're going to actually release some production version of this thing in December at the IMS show in New York. So will it come with willy bars at all? Well, I, yeah, I don't know what the production one's going to look like. They're not really talking about it, but with that kind of motor, you got to think this is going to be either something for the drag racing crowd or the super sport crowd. This is based on the concept. There's no way this thing becomes like the next Magnum, right? <laughs> I mean, right. This, this is way over the top for for something like the Magnum. Yeah, there's there's no way. But it'd be interesting to see it come out and uh, see who ends up with one. You won't see these every day, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, in our... Our buddy there, Kevin, over at the Throttled Podcast, he had an interesting take on it. He was saying that, or he was sort of envisioning, maybe this becomes the next motor for Polaris, or Victory under Polaris. Victory. Mm -hmm. That goes across the model line. So they just mm -hmm. take, make the best engine they can out of this 156 project, and that goes everywhere, like their current 106. That's kind of his, his take, and I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's how Polaris does it. Yeah, but isn't that the way IndyCar does their new motors? They put them in their Indy cars, beat them up, and, you know, see see how they do, and then decide to put them in all their production cars, right? Yeah, a lot of racing is like that, for sure. Yeah, it's a proving grounds for parts, and then some of those make their way to the street. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Cool. So, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, this is this is a beast of a motor, and... My th my take is it's either going to be, like I said, it's going to be like a super sport, sport bike, or it's going to be something for the drag racing crowd, 
or maybe both. I I just don't see this going into the the baggers, not just yet. May eventually, but I don't think so yet. You don't foresee like a supercharger or a turbocharger on the side at all on a bagger with this motor doing mm-hmm. burnouts. Not with this motor, no. I mean, I see them supercharging the current 106. I was talking to Aaron about that. I was like, I told him, I said, you know, if Victory takes that Lloyd's supercharger kit and makes it a sort of a production option, I'm like, I'm buying a Magnum. It's done. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm getting. Yeah. And I'm going to go buy you sideways at like twice the speed. <laughs> yeah. So I have to show Jonathan what this bike looks like. This Magnum. Hold on. So as we, as you step to the next topic, I'm going to show. Yeah. Show him some pictures of that. And I, um, the motorcycle men are supposed to be at the IMS show. So I'm hoping they get some good pictures and maybe even some audio when, when they come back from the show. Because I'm, nice. I'm not going to be able to get to New York that weekend. I'll be away on business. Well, you need to tell them to get to Tascam. <laughs> Send up Ted some equipment. Mm-hmm. So I didn't show him the, the X1, so I just showed him a, the Magnum. I thought you were showing him the Custom. No, no. Now I'm going to show him an actual Magnum, a, a three-tone Magnum uh, from Victory's website. So these are these are long road bikes, right? These are like yeah, big touring bikes. Yeah, touring, touring. There we go. They they call them they would call them baggers mainly for the style. So they would take sort of their proper touring bike, which would have the luggage and the windshield and everything, and then they sort of chop it a little bit. They would take the big bag off the top, bring the suspension down, and it's more of a styling exercise that that makes it a bagger more than anything. Looks cool. So, what do you think, Rico? This custom bike, would you ride that? Is that your style? Uh, not, not that this, this day and age right now in my life, I'm more geared toward the bagger, um, touring bike now. Cause I'm a, you know, I just want to go out and cruise. I'm not trying to get there super fast anymore, you know, so I'm just going to take my time, enjoy the ride and hang out with my girl. Cool. Yeah. I like the engine, like looks at the engine, the pipes, the bike. I'm not really digging so much overall, but. I'm more excited to see what Victory does with this power plant. That's that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, that'll be the news, right? What they do with that motor going forward. Because, you know, the next thing Harley's going to come out with their next big motor, and there's just going to be this motor competition. Um, right now, Indian is, has the biggest motor out there right now, I believe, right? As, as far as the touring bagger. Production, yeah. So the 111, um, Harley's top line engine is a 110. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Victory bringing it to the rear with the 106, but it makes more power than the 111. So, so Rico, you're talking about sitting there taking it easy. I don't remember you seeing taking it easy around Atlanta coming back from Elbow. <laughs> well, I told you when, you, when you when you drive in Atlanta traffic, you have to be a psycho because otherwise you're just going to get ran over. Just like we saw, we're like – we're in the middle lane and we're being blown by like we're standing still. So we're doing 80 miles an hour and people are passing us like we're sitting still. Yeah, 80 plus. Yeah. Your hometown. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. All right, cool. So yeah, we'll we'll look forward to what Victory does with that and we will be waiting. All right, Rico, let's talk about a a couple of scramblers. We've got also the a new multi I want to touch on, and then I think that's about it. 
Now, everybody wants to do a scrambler nowadays. Now, which one are you talking about? Ducati? Yeah. Ducati? Well, okay. Ducati, yeah. So Ducati first, but really Yamaha, they launched the scrambler line last year, right? But they just have two new models this year. Uh, we don't need to talk about them too much, but they have a smaller engine, kind of like what Indian's on with the Scout. They have a version called the 62, which is still an L-twin, but it's only 400cc. Huh. So they're really getting down to the entry level with the scrambler line. All right. Now, who else has a scrambler? Oh, Triumph. Triumph has, has a Triumph got in the scrambler game. Uh, Moto Guzzi has something that is in that scrambler family now. Mm-hmm. And the one with some big horsepower is BMW. So they now have the, the R9T scrambler. And this thing makes... From its 1,200cc boxer engine, if I can find it, unless John knows it off the top of his head, it's over 100 horsepower. John, do you know? What would you like, Rich? The BMW R9T Scrambler? Uh, it's the classic 1,200cc boxer engine. It's a 1,200cc. You know, I had that right on the tip of my tongue, and now for the life of me, I can't find it. But anyway, the we'll get back to the to the stats, but... So let's yeah let's let's circle back to the the, the Ducati scrambler. So the one you're talking about has the 399 cc twin cylinder motor. Yeah, putting out a what's 41 horses. Yep, moving it down to the the real low entry level line. Uh, the seats a little bit lower as well. Still got the dual sport tires. Got the alloy wheels. You know, it looks like kind of the regular scrambler, just a smaller engine and and a tad lower than than the standard one. So again, very approachable for the beginning rider. And, you know, as, as we're seeing an uptick in these smaller bikes that keep coming to market, I think Ducati's just going to hit another home run with this thing. Now, Jonathan, would this be a yeah. bike that you were looking, speaking about uh, entry riders and beginner riders, would you ride something like this? Yeah, we've got to get them on something. It's funny. It's like, I don't know how to explain to you guys. I don't know what I'm looking at. You know what I mean? <laughs> I really don't. I want to, you know, something you showed me a minute ago, I was going to say Mad Max. It looked like that. This looks yep. like yep. the dirt bikes that my friends used to kind of ride, you know, years ago up in Northern Michigan. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, just, well, the, I really yeah, this, don't know. I want to know, but I don't. The scrambler <laughs> right. sort of mindset comes out of the 70s or maybe in the late 60s where people would take a standard motorcycle and, and give it some dirting intentions, you know, like mm-hmm. raise it a little bit, get the exhaust up off the ground, you know, make the tires a little larger. And that's kind of the idea of the scrambler. So this is Ducati and, and other makers doing sort of a throwback to that theme, but, it, but with modern hardware. Yeah, so this bike would be perfect for San Miguel. Yes, yes, absolutely. Perfect. All because day. you can't, yeah, because you can, can you can get knob, knobby your tires if you mm-hmm. want, if you're just in the mountains and going over those rock <laughs> formations there. <laughs> yeah, this will be the bike you would probably want right. to scoot around the mountains with and come into town with. I see. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Cool. The Urban Enduro is the one you want. Exactly. For San Miguel. Mm-hmm. So we'll get the body to box one up and send it right down. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, all right. Well, real quick, one more from Ducati we want to mention here. There's another variant of the Scrambler. And this one they're calling the Flat Track Pro 803cc, sort of a tribute to uh, dirt track racing, Uh, a wider, wider flat track style handlebar, basic grips on it. 
I don't know about this one, Rico. I'm not sure. You know, it's got the upgraded exhaust on it, but I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about this one. I, I do like the Urban Enduro. I guess of all of them on the Scrambler, that's the one I sort of lean to, but this one I don't know. Yeah, this 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 one's not speaking to me at at any rate. I mean, I think the only thing that may be attractive on this bike to me is the single swing arm. Yeah, that's it. Uh, um, the the dual exhaust coming off of the left side is okay, I guess, but I think they it wouldn't better suit it like they have the Ducati Scramble coming off at the low angle type of thing. I don't know. I, this one's not speaking to me. Well, this doesn't get a single-sided swing arm. It has It's on both sides, just like all the scramblers. I think that picture just makes it look like it's single-sided. Oh, okay. So, well... Even worse, right? <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. Forget it. I guess for me, I, I enjoy flat track racing. I like watching those races, but the bikes themselves, to me, they're a little bit too purpose-built. It's not really my thing for the street, so... And I, I wouldn't really want the bars that wide. You know, it's like the KLR. It's a compromise, right? If you're going to get something that's good for off-road, it's a compromise on the street. Right. So the, this one wouldn't, would not be my pick. Yeah, mine either. Cool. All right, John, how much power on that BMW? 110 horsepower, my man. Oh, and the torque? Uh, <laughs> for bonus points. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. 116. Now this is in European NM. Newton meters, yeah, so I don't know what the translation is on that, but it's hey, around I, 100, yeah. I, I got you to think, so. Good deal. So what do you think there, Rico? Now you got a scrambler from BMW that looks the part, has much more power. This one does have a single-sided swing arm, and, you know, it's probably thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, you know, something like that. I, I wouldn't spend my money there. <laughs> I would go buy Victory Magnum. With that money. I don't want people to get mad that I'm like dogging BMW, but boy, Yeah, stuff the last expensive. couple episodes you have been dogging BMW. I'm starting to feel a little hatred there. So it's 85.5 foot-pounds of torque. And how... 2,000 RPMs. What's the seat height? I think that'll be the next thing because they're... they're this bike, I don't see a lot of tall people riding it. Mm, this looks a little taller than the Ducati, but I'm not really sure. So, 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 Han, what was that price you said that bikes the BMW is going to be at, Rich? Oh, I was just being a jerk. No, is it twenty grand? <laughs> no, it's uh, fifteen. Oh, wow, a reasonable price. Hmm. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, instead of doing the the last bike, what I what I will mention, I wanted to talk about the. Ducati's uh, Multistrada, they have an Enduro version. But instead, what we're going to do is we have a gentleman from the Ducati dealer in Charlotte who's going to join us in a week or two, and we're going to have him bring us up to speed on all the new Ducatis and BMWs at the same time. So, you know, we won't prolong this one any longer. <laughs> we'll save that for uh, when we get Charlie on the line. Sounds good. There's a lot coming from Ducati and um, BMW. And that in that particular arena, I think even here in San Miguel, I see a lot of BMWs and Ducatis um, that just take over the roads um, as far as, you know, being able to hit these dirt roads and do these these cobblestone roads. I mean, this bike is the bike you want in this type of uh, this region of uh, Mexico, Mexico. Mm hmm. 
Mexico. Very good, Rico. You're learning. I'm working on it. I've got a great teacher sitting next to me. He's been indeed. I'm not teaching anything. Here. <laughs> All right, Mr. Hogan. I'll uh, I'll offer you final comments here on ICMA 2015. You know, we just encourage everyone to check out the show notes. There'll be links to everything we've talked about and more. And you know, as as you guys probably know, news is not really our thing. We do more of the experience stuff, but. There was just so much coming out of the show. I felt we had to at least pick our favorites and and banter that around a bit. So, right, we picked our favorites and you know want to kind of scratch the surface on some of this. You know, this is great information coming out. It's, some of this stuff is really exciting, um, and um, you know you're looking forward to that motor goosey. Um, so I'm excited to see your reaction the first day we see it in person. So that in itself and that Ducati Duval. Um, is something that we both will have to uh, pin, uh, put a pin in to come back to in future episodes. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to have to go ride the California or or that other uh, touring one they have just to get a sense for, for the Guzzi before mm-hmm. it comes around. Yeah, that's a must. And uh, you know what? Don't do like I did and just keep it in velocity mode. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> take it, take it down a notch and ride it in the the mid range, uh, so you won't have that uh, that constant uh, twist of the motor. Cool. All right, Mr. Miracle. Anything else that struck your fancy? You know, the one thing, and I didn't bring this up in the show, but uh, we didn't have any notes. The uh, a bike that kind of caught my eye also was the Yamaha FZ1. So oh, you like kind that? Of a, mm. It's kind of different, you know? So a little different, a little racy one looking, but looks more like a, you know, maybe like a modest, uh, the Multistrada a little bit too, kind of. All right. How it's more stand-up. It's kind of look nice-looking bike. Go, go with Rico's uh, favorite bike. Mm. We'll get you on one here soon enough. No, I'll have to pass. All right. So anyways, that's all I got. And, uh, you know, it's been great to have Jonathan on our show tonight. Thank you. Yeah, big thanks. I really appreciate you having me on. I uh, I wish I had more to add, but it's been a pleasure hanging out. And I think at least, I don't know about Rico, but I've decided it's it's going to be a Ducati Scrambler, Urban Enduro. That's the one. For you, Jonathan. For me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> let me get that down. <laughs> okay. It might take a while to get through the customs, but, you know, it's on its way. <laughs> okay, beautiful. All right, gentlemen, so my uh, final thoughts here and, and reminders. Show notes, including links and images for this episode, are best found on our website, loudpipes.net slash 33 for this one. Thanks, John. Here you'll also find links to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and one-click Android. And you'll also find all of our social media links on the page header. Star ratings and reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio are a great way to help promote the show. And if you feel it's less than five stars or have other questions or comments, drop us a line at feedback at rdubstudios.com, or you can click the feedback link on our website if you don't want to leave your email address. And lastly, if you are enjoying the show and you want to help us grow, you can check out our donation page, loudpipes.net slash donate. And don't forget, when you donate, subscribe to the newsletter, and you will be the first to know what's going on. All right. Thanks again, gentlemen. I think we will go ahead and put the kickstands up and ride on out. Rico? No champilla? 
Shapira. Shapira. <laughs> has been an RDub Studio production. Check us out at rdubstudios.com, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio.